In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash artofman and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash artofman, A-R-T-O-F-M-A-N, podsurvey.com slash artofman. Thanks for your help. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. So we've had Mark Ripetil on the podcast, the author of Starting Strength, but what a lot of people don't realize is that you can get certified to be a starting strength coach. Uh, it's pretty rigorous, and there are a few starting strength coaches around the country. And one of those coaches is a guy by the name of Matt Reynolds. He's a co-owner of a gym in Springfield, Missouri called Strong Gym. It's one of the largest barbell-based strength gyms in the country. He's a former powerlifter himself, strongman competitor. And he also does online coaching. I've been doing some coaching with him online, and I've seen some significant progress with my strength training uh, since I started with him. So I wanted to get on the podcast to discuss his story of how he opened up Strong Gym because it's really it's a great, inspiring story uh, for entrepreneurs out there. Uh, completely bootstrapped operation, uh, but then also we get into some details and some nitty gritty about strength training. So how barbell training can help if you're an endurance athlete, if you're a trail runner, obstacle course racer, why you need to incorporate strength training into your programming. We discuss uh, why strength training or barbell training is a great stepping stone for someone who's completely out of shape, who's never exercised, and they need to lose a lot of weight, why barbell training is a great way to start that process. Uh, We also discuss the prehab and rehab you can do to overcome and prevent injuries that often occur when training. And we also discuss the psychology of strength training. How do you get over those plateaus, right? You How to lift weight you don't think you could lift, but your body can actually do, what you can do to psych yourself up. So a lot of great information if you are a strength trainer, I think you get a lot out of it. So without further ado, Matt Reynolds and strength training. All right, Matt Reynolds, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. All right, so Matt is actually, you're the first person I've had inside my closet studio to do the podcast. How does it feel? <laughs> this is the first time I've been in a closet with a guy, maybe in my entire <laughs> life. So, Yeah, so um, anyways, Matt is, uh, I got Matt on here. He is actually, he's a, he's a strength coach, owns a gym in Springfield, Missouri called Strong Gym, but he also does online coaching. Um, and he works a lot with Mark Ripito. We've had on the park podcast before with starting strength. And so today we're going to talk about, uh, Matt's story of how he got into strength training, how do you open up this amazing gym that it's one of the largest strength gyms in the country. Um, and then we'll get delve into some like strength training questions and helping the guys out there get stronger. So Matt, tell your story. How did you get to become a strength coach? What, what's the story that you got to the point before you opened up strong gym? Well, uh, that probably starts with, I, I was very painfully average in junior high and high school. And, uh, you know, I was just a, a normal guy. I was a smart kid. I was skinny kid, played a lot of sports, um, was always usually the, the last starter on the team. Um, you know, and there were two or three other people on every team that were better than me. 
um, that didn't start. And so I just worked hard. And, and so I think part of who I am now as a, a pendulum swing into kind of the strength and conditioning world uh, came from the fact that I just was really probably unhappy with being average. And so uh, I, I started to fall in love with, with strength training my senior year of high school, um, just did it for sports. And again, wasn't great at sports and, and seemed to be a little bit better at weightlifting than I was sports. And uh, so got into that and uh, got out of high school, wasn't good enough to, to play anything in college, um, but was unbelievably competitive. And so um, needed an out for that competition. And so shortly after I graduated high school, I actually found uh, a, an article actually by Dave Tate, who runs EliteFTS.com, uh, called How to Bench Press 600 Pounds. Now, I, I didn't think that anybody in the whole world could bench press 400 pounds. So this, this whole 600 pound thing was new to me. Um, and I read the article and it was about powerlifting basically. And it was this introduction to powerlifting. And so, uh, I was 19 years old. It had been 1998, somewhere in there, 1998, 1999. And, uh, realized like, Hey, there's a sport where the goal is to eat tons of food and, and get really big and really strong. And so, um, that really appealed to me. So I, I got into powerlifting, uh, come train for powerlifting in my first competition in 2001, um, and, and did okay. You know, it was just kind of still average and, uh, slowly got better and better. And, and by the 2005 or so I had, I'd achieved my elite status in a handful of, uh, of weight classes. And so, um, and so it, it was about that time in 2005, I graduated college. Um, I started teaching school and started, uh, working as a strength coach at a, at a big 4A high school in Missouri. And, and so a big piece of this with the strength coaching side is, uh, I mean, I've always been interested in this stuff and I, I read everything I could get my hands on it, you know, everything that Louis Simmons wrote or, or all the stuff that the, the Soviet, uh, coaches, you know, pre, uh, communism falling wrote. And, you know, they came over and either stuff had been translated into English or they came over in the nineties and, and started to, to teach here. And I just love that stuff. It just, it just, and I, it never wore off. I mean, it wasn't just a, it wasn't just this phase I went through. And so, um, so yeah, so I, I just, I love coaching. So I started coaching in 2005 and, and it started with mostly high school kids. Um, and the interesting thing about that is that high school kids, a lot of times are the toughest thing to coach. I mean, they don't listen very well. They don't eat enough. They don't sleep enough. Um, you've got kids, you know, I had eighth graders who were prepubescent for sure. Um, I had kids smack in the middle of puberty. I had kids who had been way out of puberty and you're trying to deal with all of those kids, 60 of them at the same time in, in the same weight room. And so, um, so we did that. And then at the same time, I continued my competitive career. And so I, in 2005, I switched over and started competing in strongman, like the, what you see in, in world strongest man and, uh, won my pro status in 2006 at Utah strongest man won that actually, um, won the pro card with the same, at the same show that Brian Shaw, who is now the world strongest man, we won at the same show and, uh, competed on the strongman circuit for, for a few years there, uh, 2008 open strong and open strong gym with really no, um, delusions of grandeur, just wanted a place to train for, for powerlifting and strength training. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about the, your gym because, uh, it's different from a lot of, it's not a, it's not like a powerlifting gym, right? Where like it's grungy and like they're playing Pantera, like, and it's not like a nice big box gym where they have a spa and all that stuff. They don't have like you guys are focused primarily on barbell training, but barbell training for soccer moms or soccer dads. Uh, so, how did how do you make that a viable business? Because most people aren't really into barbells. If they go to the gym, they're going to do machines. So, what did you do to turn strong into one of the largest gym strength gyms in the country? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean you're exactly right. And the, the reality is, uh, I didn't know it was going to be able to do this. I didn't know we were going to be able to be successful. And so as we have worked, 
And uh, we, we really focused on a couple of things. We focused on correct training, so strength training with barbells. And that really is the same thing that most powerlifting gyms do. Uh, but you're right, the difference really comes in in all of the other stuff. So uh, there are tons of great powerlifting gyms in the country, but they're exactly what you said. They're, they're in a warehouse, there's no air conditioning, there's no heat, there's no showers, they're grungy, they're dirty. And so, so we looked at how can we make ours better? And so we ended up uh, opening up a, an unbelievable 15,000 square foot state-of-the-art facility, super clean, and just had an incredible focus on customer service. And then look, the reality is this, I have an unbelievable staff that buy into what we do. And so I have a staff that most of my staff that work for me now, I mean, from the the guy, lowest guy on the totem pole all the way up to my managers, started as interns for me. They all have exercise science degrees. The colleges sent them over. They they got passionate about what we do. They see that the results that we get, like what we the way we train works, but it works in an atmosphere that's appealing to business professionals and soccer moms. And so now you've got this gym that's full of people who are in their, who are in their thirties and forties and fifties and sixties, and they all deadlift and they all squat and they all bench press and they all press. Uh, and they train in a similar style that, that the power lifters do. So at lunch today, you were telling me that one of the things you take pride in by your gym is about the, the amount of people who can deadlift a certain weight. Tell us like what the average weight that people are deadlifting at your gym. Yeah. So, so one of the things you'll hear a lot of, of gym owners or, or even I would hear high school football coaches say is they would, they would brag about their, their strongest guy. Right. So I've got a high school football kid who, who deadlifts 600 pounds and who squats 500 pounds. And, and the reality is that has nothing to do with your program. That kid's a freak. He's going to, he's going to squat 500 pounds in any high school in America. And, and strong is really no different. I, I, we have some, I mean, some of the best powerlifters in the whole world are at our gym, but if they weren't at our gym, I mean, I'd like to think that some of our atmosphere helps them and facilitates that. But the reality is they would be some of the strongest guys on earth with or without strong. And so for, for me, what we really like to, to be able to brag about is that our average guys, we have, we have a hundred guys that deadlift at 500 pounds. So a 500 pound deadlift is entirely average at our gym. Um, a 300 pound deadlift for a female, that is an average deadlift for a female. We have a handful of females that deadlift 400 pounds. And I'm not talking about girls that look like they're going to step on a bodybuilding stage, girls that look like guys that, that, uh, you know, that read art of manliness. <laughs> we're talking about, we're talking about soccer moms. We're talking about ladies who are 36 years old, who drive their minivan to the gym, drop their kids off at school and they walk in and they deadlift 350 pounds. That's what they do. Um, and that's, that's, I'm really proud of that for sure. So, I mean, what, I mean, what's the secret then? I mean, if, if it sounds like, you know, deadlifting 500 pounds, like that's a goal I've had for a while, uh, haven't been able to reach and I'm hoping I can get that with your, with your coaching I've been doing, but what's the secret sauce? I'm sure there's a lot of guys out there that they want to have a 300 pound bench, 315 pound bench, you know, 405 pound squat, uh, you know, 500 pound, uh, deadlift. It sounds like you don't have to have necessarily have the genetics for it. You can train this. I mean, what is the secret sauce? Is, is there a secret? Well, I mean, there's, there's no, there's no magic pill. It's, it's form programming atmosphere, right? So form, here's the deal. Starting strength is the best thing ever put out ever for form. Um, every single person that lifts at our gym that comes in, that's a novice does a starting strength program. We teach them how to low bar back squat. We teach them how to deadlift correctly. We teach them how to press. We teach them how to bench press. Um, it's the most authoritative piece ever put together on how to lift. And so everything we do, even when someone comes out of novice programming, so, you know, you hear that, the name starting strength. Well, it's just, it's, it's for absolute beginners and it's, it is great. It is, it's great for absolute beginners, 
But the form, the method that we use doesn't change as you become more advanced. And so then outside of that, it's we start with very basic programming. Programming should be simple, hard, and effective. And so uh, programming is often way too complicated. In the beginning, programming should be, we're going to add a little bit of weight on each lift, every single workout. That's it, right? And if that if that works, why would you do anything else? Like if you can come in and add five pounds to your squat three days a week, why would you not do that, right? And so people get in a hurry to not do novice programming. And that's a mistake, right? Because they compare it to other sports. Like I don't want to be a novice basketball player. I want to be an intermediate or an advanced basketball player. But the reality is that the best type of lifter is the novice lifter because you can get better every single workout. And so then as they move out of that progression, we just still have simple, slightly more complicated progressions for our intermediate and advanced lifters. And then when you take somebody who's lifting exactly correct over a long period of time and you put them in an atmosphere where the strength standard is, hey, a 500 pound deadlift really isn't that impressive. Now look, we celebrate PR. So if we, I have a, I have a 79 year old lady, actually she turns 80 in two weeks. Uh, she's 80 years old. Today she deadlifted 105 pounds for five reps. She's 80, right? So we celebrate that as, as much or more than a 700 pound deadlift because a PR, a personal record is a PR and that's huge for somebody. And so when you're in an atmosphere that celebrates PRs, along with this same atmosphere that cultivates correct lifting, correct programming, simple, hard, effective work that's our people have an understanding that anything that's valuable is going to take some work. It's going to take some effort. And so um, the easy way isn't the way that works. Like we don't, we don't uh, walk on purple treadmills and read Cosmo magazine. That's not what we do at strong, right? We squat. So it sounds like consistency is a big thing. So I know one of the things that I've gotten in trouble with is that, that is what you just said that like, I don't want to be a novice. Like I'm doing the same thing. This is boring. This probably isn't working anymore. So there's this idea that I have to do something new and sexy and like some kind of crazy, I don't know, weird auxiliary exercise to actually get something going. Um, and I just stopped doing the programming. Is that the, one of the big mistakes you see people making with strength training? Yeah, a- absolutely. Not only that, you see it with with trainers. And so the hard thing to get across for for trainers is to you have to be able to continue to motivate your clients to do essentially the same thing every day for a long period of time. So, you know, day one, they're going to squat, they're going to press, they're going to deadlift. Day two, they're going to squat, they're going to bench, they're going to deadlift. Day three, they're going to squat. Day 50, they're going to squat, they're going to press, they're going to, you know. And so very quickly, the the concept of, we don't even like the term per- trainer. I don't, I don't like to be called a personal trainer. I'm a coach. I coach form. You think about it more like a, if I were a sport coach, I would be co- coaching form. I'm not here to count reps. I don't go three, four, five. That's not what you're paying me to do. And so being able to motivate somebody to stick with the basics while the basics work is huge. I mean, that's a big motivating factor. People get bored and they want to move on to something else. And so a good trainer can still add some variation to programming. We can, we can change up the conditioning a little bit. We still do conditioning. We push the prowler. We do things like that, that kind of allow people to sweat, allow their heart rate to get up. Um, they can put themselves in great cardiovascular shape and, and, and it gives them enough of that variety that they can stick with the program. And then here's what happens. Somebody comes in and they say, look, here's my goal. I want to run a half marathon in six months, right? Now I may or may not think that's a great goal, but I'm not going to shoot down their dreams on day one. I'm going to say, let me show you how strength training will make you be a better half marathoner. And what will almost always happen is two or three months into the program, they get so addicted to getting strong. They kind of forget about the marathon thing. And they go, you know what? Like, actually, I'm kind of thinking about, you know what? I kind of think I might want to do a powerlifting meet in six months. What do you think about that? I think it'd be great, right? It would be great because if you mail in an entry form on a powerlifting meet, your training level goes up a notch because now you go, oh my gosh, I'm not doing this just in front of my coach. I'm doing it in front of a whole group of people. And so, man, there is nothing cooler than seeing a 75-year-old lady 
doing her first powerlifting meet. That's great, right? And, and the reality is it's better for her than running a half marathon. It's more healthy. It's less impact on her joints. And so part of that too is just knowing what knowing how to work with people. We, we do low impact exercises. We don't, we don't have them doing high rep jumping. We don't have them do, um, you, know, you know, they're not doing stuff that's going to get them hurt. We don't put them in vulnerable positions. And that's where we have a, a, this constant commitment to come back to the main barbell lifts because that's where the biggest bang for your buck is. Well, uh, speaking on that that idea of strength training for half marathons, uh, are do you do you train people who that's what they do? Like they do long distance running, uh, and how can strength training help with endur- you know endurance uh, sports? Sure. Yeah, we we train it all the time. I mean, we get people all the time, especially with uh, this uh, culture right now of of um, you know Spartan race type things. I mean, I, and and I love that that outlook. I mean, people that are training for something like a Spartan race. I think you had Joe Desena on at one point. Um, you know, that, that's an incredibly tough thing to train for. And so if you think about it like this, let's, let's take something really simple, like endurance bicycle, ride. right? We're going to ride our bike. I'm going to be endurance. I'm just going to go ride my bicycle. Right. So it's not complicated at all. And so I can go out and let's say I can ride, I'm going to ride in a certain gear. Uh, let's say, let's say I can squat a hundred pounds. I'm, I'm not very strong squatter, hundred pounds. My legs aren't really strong. I, and I can ride at 17 miles an hour in a specific gear. And let, let's say that in that gear five, I'm riding in every stroke of the pedal represents 20% of my max leg strength. And let's say I I take that person, I take them off the bicycle and I get them in the weight room and I take their squat from hundred pounds to 200 pounds, which still isn't that strong, but I've doubled their leg strength. Now, what percentage is every stroke on the pedal? It's not 20% anymore. It's 10%. So now, now every stroke, it's easier. Every single pedal stroke is now easier for that person because I've got their legs stronger, which means they can now ride in a gear that allows them to be more powerful and ride faster, or they can now, because they're only representing each pedal stroke being 10% of the strength, they can now ride longer, twice as long even, right? Because I've doubled their leg strength. So for endurance athletes, the hardest thing to deal with with endurance, endurance athletes is to get them to either stop or cut back on their endurance training for a season. And right, listen, right now is the perfect time. Here we are, we're going into holiday seasons, right? We're going into winter time. And so it's not easy to go out and run, trail run when it's when it's 30 degrees outside or 10 degrees outside or ride your bike. So now it would be a perfect time to, to keep, continue to do your endurance training, say once a week, but get in the weight room and get strong three times a week. And then watch what happens when the springtime comes. And, and here's what you'll notice. Your first couple rides, you'll feel a little bit out of shape because you've put on some additional muscle and your cardiovascular system isn't there. But your cardiovascular system comes back extremely fast. It's the quick, the most quick thing gained, piece of fitness gained. It's also the quickest thing that you lose. So uh, this is why if you're in great shape and you go on vacation and you go to Cancun for 10 days and you just sit in a pool and drink margaritas and come home, your conditioning is not very good all of a sudden, but it doesn't take very long to gain it back. Strength is the exact opposite. Strength takes decades to build, but then it doesn't go away very fast, right? So, it, I mean, like a long, long time. So I, I could probably, you know, I've bench pressed, I don't know, 450 pounds. I could probably not bench press for two years and still lay down and bench press 300 pounds, right? Well, 300 pound bench press is still fairly strong. But if I got good at cardiovascular conditioning, didn't do anything for two weeks and came back and tried to do it, I probably wouldn't be that great for the first workout or two. So when that endurance athlete comes back and gets back on their bike or back on their trail running or back on whatever, the first workout or two isn't going to be great. But by the third, fourth, fifth, sixth workout, they're going to be better than they were before they, before they started strength training. Right. So. Awesome. That's great. So, cause we often get at, whenever we publish things about strength training, we often get the comments that this is going to ruin my endurance training, but uh, yeah, it's great that strength training, training can actually supplement and even make you a better runner. And here, 
Matt, another question we often get uh, from readers who are they, they want to start, they read our articles on the site about fitness and strength training. They want to get started, but they're, they're like, I'm really out of shape. Like I am obese like that. And I, I don't know if I can do this. Any advice to those guys? So they just get started right with barbell training, even if they're, you know, a couple hundred pounds overweight. I mean, is that something barbell training can help? Yeah, I, I do. I actually think it's easier than what, what you will tend to find is that people don't know what else to do. So they start jogging. And so it's not a great uh, thing on your joints for a 400 pound man or woman to go out and start jogging around the neighborhood, right? That's pretty tough on your knees and ankles. And so what you'll find is that you'll gain a tremendous amount of cardiovascular fitness from just barbell training. Theoretically, if you weren't doing anything, you started riding your bicycle, you actually, your squat would go up for the first week or two. But after that first week or two, riding your bicycle doesn't make you any stronger, but strength makes everything better for a long period of time. So if I want, like if I got to take a kid that says, Hey, I want to increase my vertical jump. How do I increase my vertical jump? Well, I can work with him and teach him how to jump correctly. And within the first two or three sessions, I can get him within 95% of a correct jump. Then what? Then how do I increase his vertical jump? I have to get him stronger. It's the only other option, right? So it's the same thing here. I can take somebody who is really out of shape, what total, what we call totally detrained, like they they've, haven't done anything. They haven't walked. They haven't run. They've sat on their couch. They've eaten a bunch of junk. They've never done anything. And I can take them and bring them into a weight room and I can teach them how to body weight squat. They, they might not be able to put a barbell on their back on the first day, but you know what I can probably do is I can probably sit them on a bench or sit them in their dining room chair and teach them how to squat down correctly and not get on their toes and not get into their knees and be safe for the knees and teach them how to body weight squat. And then I can take a barbell and I can teach them how to deadlift an empty barbell. And then I can take them on that same empty barbell or even something lighter, a very light barbell, a 10 pound barbell, and I can teach them how to press. And that's enough on day one. And thanks for coming in, come back in two days. And what they'll find, they'll get done and they'll go, I don't feel like I did very much. And then the next day they, they text me or call me, they go, I'm actually kind of sore. <laughs> you go, I know you didn't have done anything in 20 years, you know, and they come back two days later and we go up a little bit more. Right. And what you'll find is for, for those people, they will lose a tremendous amount of fat. I mean, especially people who are really, really like morbidly obese, they'll lose a tremendous amount of fat, gain a tremendous amount of muscle, gain a tremendous amount of cardiovascular fitness. Their blood lipid profile is often better after just a few short months of only barbell training of no cardio of no cardio. If I can just get them to basically cut out the McDonald's and cut out the fast food and quit, you know, stuff in their face with junk and just start barbell training, then they make lots of increases. And then we start to add in those additional steps. All right, now we'll bring in some cardiovascular work. Wedding season is coming up. And if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day. Wear a custom made-to-measure suit. Suits start at just $499, which is about the same price you'd pay for an off-the-rack suit at a department store. And they've also got custom made-to-measure shirts starting at just $89. So I've talked about my Indochino suit on the podcast before. They've been a longtime podcast sponsor. It's navy blue. The measuring process was super easy. They got these video guides you follow. You'll need another set of hands to help you out with that. But the really fun part is customizing it. Got to customize how I wanted the lapels on the jacket, the pockets, the lining. I went no pleats on the pants on this suit. A lot of fun. And then in a few weeks, you have a made-to-measure custom suit sent directly to your door. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. 
All right, so if you're like me, you've probably signed up for a whole bunch of stuff that has a recurring monthly fee. Subscriptions to newsletters, subscriptions to services that you use online, uh, could be a streaming service, something like that. You sign up for it and then you forget about it. And then every month you're getting charged and charged and charged and they just all add up and you have a hard time trying to figure out where did I sign up for this? I don't know where this is coming from. Well, let me tell you, there's an app that can help you with that. It's called Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I had a chance to use Rocket Money and it works. You connect your account to it and then it goes through your accounts and helps you find those recurring subscription fees that maybe you forgot about and then you can cancel them and save yourself a bit of money each month. Stop wasting money and things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash manliness. That's rocketmoney.com slash manliness, rocketmoney.com slash manliness. Daylight saving time is starting up again. The goal of this is to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting our clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There is only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to help you find qualified candidates. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you can reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the Masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of knowing a negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. Um, so, you know, Matt, we've had Rip on the podcast. Um, actually, that's kind of funny. Can you tell us how you met Rip? Because uh, it, it cracks me up every time you tell me the story. Because for those of you who know, like Rip is a character. Um, and I, I love Matt's story about how he met Mark Ripito. So share that with us, Matt. All right. So, so I actually, Rip had a coach that was his Olympic lifting coach that I knew before I had never even heard of Mark Ripito. So I just knew this guy and he was an Olympic lifting coach. He's a fairly well-known Olympic lifting coach. And, and I had one of my workout partners, a super strong kid, actually one of the strongest kids probably that's ever lived. The kid, uh, he deadlifted 800 pounds when he was 19 years old. And uh, we ended up sending him down. He had gone to, to Kansas University and needed an internship for his exercise science degree. And we sent him down to Wichita Falls Athletic Club to, to 
what is Rip's gym. I just didn't know it was Rip's gym. I just thought it was where this Olympic coach coached. And so uh, he got down there and um, he, uh, he calls me back and he said, hey, um, I saw the best coach I've ever seen today. And I said, what? I said, yeah, it's this Olympic coach that you're working with, right? No, 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 it's not him. It's, uh, it's actually the owner of the gym. And he said, and, and remember, this kid is smart. I mean, this kid has his, is finishing up his degree in exercise science. He's an extremely advanced weightlifter. Very, very smart, very intelligent kid. He said, I worked with a girl for, for two hours on how to squat correctly, and she could not get it. And this guy who's the owner of the gym, he literally sticks his head out the window out of his, of his door of his, of his office and, and just barks like three words at her and she does it right immediately, right? And I said, what? And he said, yeah, I'm telling you, this guy, is, he's, just, he's the most efficient. He's got the best eye I've ever seen. I said, what? Well, who is he? And he said, well, his name's, his name's Mark Ripito, but they, they call him Rip. He's super weird. He, uh, he drinks mead from a horn. He's into Norse mythology. And that's pretty much that. That's really who Rip is. And so um, I was writing for, for some online magazines, bodybuilding.com and stuff like that at the time. And, uh, and I had done some interviews with that Olympic coach. And so I, I called Rip and uh, a couple days later and, and introduced myself. And he kind of knew who I was from the interview I had done with his coach and said, hey, I want to I wanna interview you. Um, I'd like to just talk to you about coaching and, and what you do with underweight high school kids. I hear that you're really good with underweight high school kids. And he said, you know, it's actually interesting that you'd ask. Um, I'm actually writing a book called Starting Strength. And so he was smack in the middle of the book. It was still, I think, a year from coming out. Um, but he wanted to be able to start promoting it. And, and I think I did one of the first interviews he ever did. Um, that, that article, that interview is still in his lobby and it's just, so you go in the gym, it's sitting right there and it's, uh, it's, uh, and you can still find it online. So. Well, I'm, I'm curious. So, you know, um, one of the things that I love about Rip, cause I, I went down there, did the videos with him. Right. And that's, I was amazed. Like that was the first time someone actually sat me down and told me how to lift because I, I know in high school I did this usual typical strength and conditioning and the coaches basically just say, okay, there's a squat rack, there's the bench, that's it. Um, and I learned a lot of bad habits that way. But I'm curious, what makes for, I mean, what, what makes Rip such a good coach? And like, what should people look for if they're wanting to hire a coach to help with their, their strength programming? What makes for a good strength coach? Sure. Well, I mean, there's a handful of things. One of them is that the coach has done it before, right? So not just coached it, but have they actually been under the barbell? Because you you have to ask, it, man, it is hard to get under three sets of five of heavy, heavy squats. And you're asking something that's not just physically demanding, but extremely emotionally and mentally demanding of your clients. And so if you haven't been there, if you don't know what it's like to get under the bar and think, I don't know if I'm getting through this set. Or if you if you haven't gotten under there and go like, I, I might pass out on this, or I might... I could die, right? If you haven't been there, how can you ask that of your clients? So one is, have they been there? And then two is, uh, you know, Charlie Munger has a quote that I, that I love where he says, uh, I, I've never met or heard of anybody in my life who didn't totally and completely immerse himself in books, right? And so another thing that makes a good coach is this, this guy who wants to constantly learn it. I, I don't care how long you've done it. One of the things about Rip, my favorite thing with Rip, I, I, I see Rip at least once a month. We do seminars together. Uh, one of our favorite things to do is we go back in his hotel room after the seminars, we hang out, we have a drink, and we talk about the stuff we're reading. So, I mean, here's a guy who's coached for 40 years, right? Barbell training is, owns one of the oldest, longest standing single proprietorship gyms in the country, the most well-known strength coach of all time. And the guy is still reading everything he can get his hands on to be a better coach every single day. And so that's one of the things that makes a great coach. And then, and then from there, there are some actual kind of genetic pieces that are hard to learn. A great coach is a great communicator. 
And one of the things that makes Rip so great is he's a great communicator, both in person with spoken word and with written word. If you've ever read Starting Strength or you've read you've read the articles that he writes, he's really, really good at communicating. He's efficient and he's effective at communication. And so a good coach has got to be able to do that with their clients. When, when I'm watching you squat, um, and we're going to go do a session here in a few minutes, right? So I'm going to use the fewest words I can to fix your squat. That makes a great coach. So if your knees aren't going out and I want them to go out, I'm not going to say, okay, Brett, what I want you to do is I want you to get your knees out. That was way too many words. I have already told you knees out. So if you're in the middle of a set, here's what I have to say. Knees. Or at very worst, knees out and they go out. And so you've got to have somebody that understands, has the content knowledge, anatomy, physiology, biomechanics, and then is able to communicate what you're doing based on a model. We have a model. Starting Strength has provided that model for us. We know what a squat is supposed to look like. We know what a deadlift is supposed to look like. If I know the model, if I know the anatomy, if I know the physics, I can then watch you squat and compare it to the model. And if it doesn't hit the model exactly, and it probably won't, it's going to be off a little bit. I know what to say efficiently to fix it. That's what makes a good coach. And some of that is experience. I mean, it's just experience. Well, on that same line, I mean, what you've, you've, you've spent your, almost your entire career coaching, right? Whether it was 60 kids in a single uh, gym or now with your, your gym that you have now and your online coaching, I'm curious what your, what your idea of an ideal student, I guess we'd call them. I mean, how do you be, is there, are there traits that a, a, a coach, a coachable person has? Yeah, they'll do anything I say. <laughs> I've, I've got a kid right now. Um, he'll hear this and he'll know who I'm talking about. I got a, I got a college kid, tall, red-haired kid, who literally will do anything I ask and will never question it, right? And and look, you've got to have a lot of trust in your coach to do that, right? And I'm not saying you should do that with with all of your coaches. you got to make sure you've got a great coach. Uh, but I have a kid who never complains, right? The, as a matter of fact, this kid squatted. He had rotator cuff surgery about six weeks ago. And five days after rotator cuff surgery, he was in squatting. We put a safety squat bar on his back, which is a little bit different kind of bar that's got a yoke he can hang on to and it protects his shoulders. And the kid squatted. And so one of the things I'm looking for is, is somebody that walks in and says, hey, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I've read up enough to know that you know what you're doing. And so I just want you to tell me what to do. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to do it. And so, you know, I've had a lot of clients like that, that, that come in and they're just, they're, man, they're a joy to work with. And then what what will happen over time is you develop a camaraderie. I mean, you spend a lot of time with your clients, right? So I, I, I am really close friends with all my clients, all of them. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've got the same 79 year old lady. She's the organist at our church. When she has a concert, I go to her concerts, right? We, we've developed this friendship because we spend a lot of time together every week. And so, but I've also had clients that walk in and every single day when they walk in, their first thing that they tell you is they complain about something or they call in every, every other workout, right? And so consistency is huge. I, I had a lady that I had for several years that was a great, great athlete. I mean, she, she had no genetic skills as an athlete whatsoever, but she never missed a workout. And so a lot of times we talk about, uh, I talk about blue collar days in the gym. And so those blue collar days are days that you absolutely do not feel like training. You don't want to train. You don't want to go in, but you go in, you take your time card, you take your punch card, you time, you clock in, you get your work done, done, you clock out and you leave. Those are the days that make you better, right? So everybody has those days where they go in and everything feels great and everything feels light and they're hitting PRs. Everybody has those days. Those don't make good lifters. Great lifters, people who make incredible changes to their body are the ones who will never, ever miss. Now, there's caveats there, right? You wake up and you're on a 102 degree fever, you shouldn't go to the gym. But outside of that, like, you know, you got the sniffles, your stomach's kind of hurting, or you're just achy or sore. Walk in the gym, punch in your time card, punch out, get your work. And that makes a great client. 
So Matt, one thing um, I've encountered with barbell training is that at a certain point when I started to get really heavy with the weights, uh, injuries start happening. Not really injuries, just weird pains happen. Um, and you, we just published a post of yours about bicep tendonitis. It's something that I've struggled with, with the, the low bar squat. I'm curious, besides the, some of the stuff that we've, we, we talked about on the website, do you emphasize like prehab or like rehab, uh, in, in your, your programming that you do with your athletes? Sure. Uh, we do. Uh, although I'll say this, that the, the best prehab is just correct barbell movement, right? So if you do a press correctly, an overhead press, what some people call a military press, what we call the press, if you do it correctly, you will not hurt your shoulders. So if we are having shoulder issues while pressing, there is a problem, right? And at that point, yes, we have to rehab sometimes and we will do prehab. There are things that I do that I just, sometimes they just make me feel better, right? So there, there's a lift called a, a face pull where you take a, a high cable, like a tricep rope and and you pull, you you stand away from it and you pull the bar back towards your temples. And it, it's just a really good, it opens up your shoulders and makes it feel good on your rear delts. Do I know if that helps my shoulders any for my press? I don't know, but it makes it feel better, right? So a lot of times prehab, what we call prehab, which is you're not really hurt, but you're trying to keep yourself not hurt, is a lot of times I think more mental. Rehab becomes more of an issue of how to deal with soft tissue. And we deal with that all the time too. So we see bicep tendonitis all the time. You see muscle strains all the time, hamstring muscle strains, bicep muscle strains, pec muscle strains. I tore my pec uh, September two years ago now, so just, just over two years ago. And we have methods to fix all that stuff, right? So um, for us, we have found that an aggressive, being aggressive with the injury will often help it a lot more than letting it sit around. If you've got, and if you just think logically, if you have a muscle strain, which is really kind of a, a small muscle tear, um, and you do nothing, right? So if you call your doctor, physical therapist, whatever, they say, oh, don't do, ice it, don't do anything for two weeks, and then come in and we're going to start doing some isolation movements. What happens in those two weeks when you're icing it is it's just going to scar is going to scar up, right? It would be much better if I could actually safely move it through a full range of motion and pump a bunch of blood into that muscle because that blood brings nutrients in it and it fixes it, right? So um, you're exactly right. In strength training, um, it has a very low injury rate, like surprisingly low injury rate, especially compared to other sports. I mean, you look at it compared to say soccer, soccer is super dangerous, right? But there is a, there's a, a pendulum swing here. And I, I have to have this conversation with my clients sometime when they hire me, they are almost always very, very weak and unhealthy. And so then we spend, let's say six months, seven months, eight months together, and they get pretty strong and healthy. And then they have to make a decision when they get pretty strong and healthy. Do they want to stay pretty strong and maintain their healthiness? Or at that point, have they been bitten by the competitive bug? And do they want to get competitive? And do they want to do powerlifting or strongman or Olympic weightlifting or, or whatever that is? And at the point they decide to be competitive, we're going to start swinging the pendulum away from healthy again and back to a little bit unhealthy. Like nobody would argue that playing in the NFL is healthy. It's not, right? But rarely does somebody say, oh, you shouldn't play with the NFL because well, I mean, you know, maybe we're getting that way with head injuries. But but it's it's so that's a decision you have to make. The reality is as you're, as you're moving from very, very weak to generally strong, the chances of you being injured are very, very low. Once you've been generally strong, and now you're getting to an advanced level of strength, like where you can compete and do well at, at competitions, then you absolutely start running the risk of, of injuries. And so outside of that, we're looking at just really basic. So yeah, we'll, we use lacrosse balls and we use foam rollers and we definitely use massage. I'll tell you this, massage is significantly better than, than lacrosse balls or foam rollers. I mean, significantly better because you get that lateral shear from their hands. So you can't, when you, when you roll on a foam roller, it just smashes you, you're just smashed. 
But when you have somebody's hand that can move laterally or like across the surface of your skin, that's really what you're looking to do because we need to bust up that scar tissue and adhesions and places where the skin and the tendons and the fascia are sticking to muscle where it shouldn't be stuck to. And so we want to be able to, to really kind of rip that away. So it's almost like combing out the like like a, a female's tangled hair. So she had tangled hair and her hair was all tangled. You're trying to comb it out. It takes a little bit of pain and some lateral shear. You can't just mash on it and have all the tangles go away. And so, yeah, we see that stuff all the time. And it's just bicep tendonitis is a big deal. Most of the population, by the time they're 40 years old, have some form of a herniated disc in their back. Um, that's a scary word for most people. They think like, oh, I have a herniated disc. I can't do anything. Uh, there are four clear grades of herniation. Grade one is not a big deal. Grade two is really not that big of a deal. Grade three is kind of nasty. And grade four means you're going to have surgery on it, right? But most people have a grade one or grade two herniation. And, and we can work through that and, and get through sciatic nerve pain. So uh, another aspect of strength training that I'm encountering, and I think we're going to talk a little about this today during our workout because you, you sort of mentioned it, is the psychological aspect of training. Because there's a certain point when you get heavy, right? And you, you, you squat down with that bar and you're like, I don't know if I can get this up. Uh, or when you're in the middle of a bench, right? And you're like, you have that one rep uh, that's, it's really hard. It's a grind to get out, but you have like two more to go. Um is that at that point is this the strength training becomes more psychological than physiological yeah definitely it, it, probably the if there were a fourth thing that i was going to tell you would be make us successful at strong is that we teach people how to strain you have to learn how to strain and straining is uncomfortable right like if you if you do a super heavy deadlift you're picking up something really heavy off the floor the most you've ever picked up off the floor is 100 pounds or 200 pounds and now you're deadlifting 300 pounds that feels incredibly heavy and your mind is it's, you're, it's saying, put it down, put it down, put it down, right? And so you have to learn how to strain through that. So the best lifters I've ever seen in my entire, and I've, and I've lifted with some of the absolute best powerlifters, historically the best powerlifters, guys like Kurt Karwaski. He was never scared of anything he got underneath. It was unbelievable. I mean, the guy could throw a thousand and three on his back, a thousand three on his back and squat it for a double. That something is crazy about that guy. I mean, that's not normal, right? So, but teaching people like, it's going to be okay. Like we have spent months and months and months and months making perfect form. What's the worst that could happen? The worst that could happen is it's not going to go up. You're not going to hurt yourself because we've taught you that the motor pattern in your brain and the motor pattern established in your body is that the form is going to be perfect, whether it's the empty bar or whether it's the, your max weight. And so you just decide like, this is a confidence lift. There's all the time of uh, some like a press, a heavy press. I yell a word, this, I word, yell the word confidence all the time to my, to my clients when I feel like they need a boost. So, yeah, I tell them like, look, I know you can get this. And they get underneath the, the bar and I go confidence. I yell confidence. And you can kind of see them like, yeah, I got this. I got this. That's a big piece of it. And so how you take the bar out of the rack, how you're feeling going into it, that's why people listen to the music they listen to in, in while they're working out, because they're trying to get stuff that pumps them up and kind of gives them confidence. You want a little bit of that adrenaline rush for those heavy sets so that, yeah, it's, it's so much mental. I mean, so much of that is mental. All right. So Matt, uh, we're coming to an end here. I'm curious, where can people learn more about your work? And can you tell us a little bit about the, the online coaching? Cause I think a lot of people, they hear like, how can a guy coach me online? Can you tell us a little bit about what goes on with the online coaching? Sure. 
Yeah. So, uh, first you can find me at Reynolds strong. I think I'm Reynolds strong on almost everything, social media. So Reynolds strong on Twitter, Reynolds strong on Instagram. I'm probably most active on Instagram, Facebook, Reynolds strong and Reynolds strong.com. Uh, email is Reynolds strong at gmail.com. And then, and then, yeah, I, I do online coaching. So here's what online coaching is. Uh, I send you, if you're interested in coaching, send me an email. You're not, you know, just, you're not signed up to start. We're not going to guarantee we're going to take money from you. Send me an email. Hey, I'm interested in online coaching. I'll send you a questionnaire. Questionnaire is pretty in depth. It's going to ask about all your kind of background here. How have you trained? Do you have injuries? Uh, what have you done over the last several weeks? What's you know what do you, what's your diet look like? It's kind of all that kind of stuff. It'll take you a little bit of time to fill that out. Measurements, height, weight, uh, waist measurement, chest measurement, hips measurement, and then uh, and then basically I sit down and work, and it takes me quite a bit of time. There's a lot of front end work. So I sit down and I really lay out a program that will work. Now again, it's not necessarily complicated. A lot of times, for if it's an absolute beginner, it's going to look a lot like starting strength. And so, well, what am I paying for if I can just write, get starting straight? Well, what you're paying for is that the your last set of every heavy of every barbell work you videotape on your phone. I mean, we all have HD cameras on our phone now, so you videotape your last set, and at the end of the day, you you text me or email me your sets, and then I'm able to break down those sets, and I really just break down the form of the set. Okay, I see. Here's what's going on. Um, first three reps on your squat were great. I noticed on four and five, the bar slid forward of the midfoot a little bit. So that's why it looked harder because it didn't stay over the middle of your foot. Uh, deadlift, your low back got rounded a little bit. It's really important to get tight there. Um, you got a belt that doesn't look great. Make sure you get a better belt, right? Whatever. So, um, so we can start to tweak those things. And so then each time is, and, and then there are times when if I've got clients who are, who have a big day coming up and I know they've got a big day coming up, they, they've got to hit heavy weights. Um, they have my phone number and so they can text me and, and in the middle of the workout, a lot of times I'll say, okay, here's my last set before the heaviest set. Can you, and so yeah, I'll tweak this, let's tweak this. And then I text them right back real time. And, and so look, is it optimal compared to uh, hiring me or hiring a good coach to, to work with you one-on-one -on -one in real time and yelling at you during the set? No, it's not as good. But but here's the deal. Most of us are between $100 and $200 an hour to, to have us train you face-to-face. -face. And, and online training is going to be closer to that $100 an, a month for that. And so, um, or somewhere in that ballpark, right? So um, it's a lot cheaper. And so, and the, you know, if you live in a town that has a starting strength coach and you can go to startingstrength.org or startingstrength.com and find starting strength, starting strength coaches, uh, look them up in your town, then you should hire a starting strength coach. There are no bad starting strength coaches and there aren't very many of us. I mean, there's just a few, there's a 110 or so. Uh, but if there's not, and in most cities there aren't, then there's some great options there for online coaching. So I'm, I'm, I'm one of them that does it, but there are other guys that are good too. Well, yeah, like I said, I'm doing the coaching with you right now. I'll be um, posting my uh, progress on Instagram so you guys can follow along with that. Well, Matt Reynolds, uh, thank you so much for your time. It's, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. My guest today was Matt Reynolds. He's the co-owner of the Gym Strong Gym based in Springfield, Missouri. If you live in the area, go check it out. You won't regret it. It's awesome. You can also find out more information about the gym at stronggym.co. And uh, make sure to check out his personal website, reynoldsstrong.com. Lots of great content there as well. You can find out more information about Matt's online coaching program. And as someone who's doing it right now, who's seen significant progress, I can't recommend it enough. So go check it out. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Help us get the word about the podcast. Also give us feedback on how we can improve the show. Thank you for your continued support. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly. Stay manly.